Welcome to In Social Work, the podcast series of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work at www.insocialwork.org. We're glad you could join us today. The purpose of In Social Work is to engage practitioners and researchers in lifelong learning and to promote research to practice and practice to research. We're In Social Work. Hello, I'm Charles Sims, and this is In Social Work. Pregnancy is most often a time of happiness and anticipation. The expectant parents and family look forward to a future filled with the joys and fears of what raising that child may bring. Unfortunately, there are times where prenatal loss or early infant death brings a tragic and seemingly incomprehensible end to that future. Christine Scott is the executive director of the Western New York Perinatal Bereavement Network and bereaved mother of Jacob Wesley Scott, who passed away May 27, 2000. In 2007, Ms. Scott created the Wings of Love Memorial Fund in memory of her son. This fund offers to bereaved parents in Western New York financial assistance for unexpected burial expenses when they tragically lose their baby. Ms. Scott's involvement with the network began as a volunteer, and in 2011, she was appointed the network's executive director. Ms. Scott has a bachelor's degree in health services management from Indiana University, where she graduated with high distinction. She was previously the March of Dimes Director of Program Services for 31 counties in upstate New York. She was previously the March of Dimes Director of Program Services for 31 counties in upstate New York and has been a member of the Western New York, Genesee Valley Finger Lake, and Central New York Regional Perinatal Forums. In a discussion with Rebecca Roland Palmentier, a PhD candidate at the University at Buffalo School of Social Work, Ms. Scott discusses what is meant by perinatal loss as well as the bereavement process of the parents and family. She also offers strategies for addressing this uniquely painful experience. Finally, Ms. Scott talks about the work of the Perinatal Network as an example of how other communities can meet the needs of people facing perinatal death. The Western New York Perinatal Bereavement Network provides outreach within the eight-county region of Western New York. Its mission is to assist the community in meeting the needs of people facing perinatal death. Finally, this podcast was recorded in May 2013, so you may hear references to events or programs that have occurred in that time's recent past or may occur in its near future. This is Rebecca Roland Palmentier, and I'm a doctoral student at the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Today I am joined by Christine Scott, Executive Director of the Western New York Perinatal Bereavement Network. Hello, Christine. Hi, Rebecca. So to get started talking about this topic, can you explain to me and the listeners what perinatal bereavement means? In other words, what kinds of deaths really qualify as a perinatal loss? Perinatal bereavement is a loss of a baby, death of a baby due to miscarriage, atopic pregnancy, stillbirth, or early infant death. And if you want to break down the loss further, 
Um, when we talk about early loss, we talk about a loss occurring before 20 weeks gestation, which is a miscarriage. A fetal death is any loss occurring after 20 weeks gestation, as in a stillbirth. A neonatal death is a death of a newborn from 0 to 27 days. And postnatal death refers to a death of a newborn from 28 days of life to the first year. So when we talk about perinatal bereavement and the work we do, those are the types of losses. Thank you for sharing. Can you speak a little bit about your personal experience with perinatal loss and bereavement? My personal experience goes back to when I found out I was pregnant with our second child. I had a four-year-old son at home. My first pregnancy was basically textbook. Uh, It was perfect, I should say. He was born right on his due date and very healthy baby boy. The second pregnancy wasn't as perfect as the first, and you're really never prepared to handle what news the doctors will share with you. But in January of 2000, I found out that I was pregnant with our second son. And about four months into the pregnancy, I started getting very ill. And a lot of things were happening. So I went for extra blood work. And they found out that a couple things were happening with my own health. I was starting to um, go into kidney failure. My liver wasn't working so great and I didn't have a very good blood clotting mechanism. I was diagnosed with HELP syndrome after the fact, but they were really concerned about my kidneys. So five months into the pregnancy, me and my unborn son, Jacob, we were on dialysis together to keep us both alive. That lasted for about four weeks. We were on hemodialysis three times a week for four hours a day. Basically, the dialysis machine did the function of what your natural kidneys would do. My kidneys were not functioning at all, so that's why I needed the hemodialysis machine. The last time I was on the machine with Jacob, I felt great when I got off. Usually, hemodialysis is a really, really tough situation since they cleanse your blood of all toxins for four hours a day, three times a week. But I got off the machine and I went for a sonogram right after. And at that appointment, they were measuring every week the growth of Jacob. And when I went to the sonogram appointment, that was the appointment that I found out that there was no heartbeat. And I had to go deliver him that same day at the hospital, and he was stillborn. Oh, I'm so incredibly sorry for your loss. Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, it's just something that when you talk about it, it'll be 13 years this May 27th. And he was 26 weeks. He was 13 and a half ounces. He was 10 inches long, and he was the perfect little baby boy. He was just born sleeping. Ah, oh, wow. What an incredible story. Now, at the time, were you working with the Western New York Perinatal Bereavement Network, or did your experience fuel your practice? 
my experience definitely fueled what I am doing. Just to finish my story, when I delivered Jacob's Stillborn, back in 13 years ago, there wasn't a lot of support like there is today. And there was different reasons. Perinatal loss is a silent grief. And we're trying to change that. That's what the network does. We are trying to change that. But after I delivered Jacob, my liver got better and so did my blood clotting mechanism because that's what happens with HELP syndrome. HELP syndrome is a very rare toxemia that you can only get when you're pregnant. It is very rare. But my kidneys being scarred, they did not reverse. And actually, the rest of the story is, is that on Jacob's original due date, in September, my mom gave me a life-saving organ to live. She donated one of her kidneys because after I delivered Jacob, I needed a kidney transplant or a lifetime of dialysis to survive. So I also did receive the gift of life in September of 2000. So it's just to be faced with all that loss, and there wasn't a lot of support back then. So after I got a handle on my kidney transplant and my health got improved and got better, I really wanted to help others and I really got involved with the network. And the network was a very tiny little program under hospice at that time. It was a group of professionals that got together to try to help the community and help the hospitals in perinatal loss. And so that's, I started volunteering with the network in 2004. Wonderful. Now, since 2004, what has your experience been? Because you started as a volunteer and now you're the executive director. I am. So I feel very blessed because in 2004, when I was a volunteer, there was a lot of changes and I felt a lot of great passion. And there's a lot of bereaved moms and a lot of professionals that were a part of our network that are just as passionate as I am. So to take it to the next level, hospice was changing their programs around, and we were really growing. The need in our community to support parents who suffer a perinatal loss is just really incredible, huge needs. So when hospice was changing their programs around, we knew we could handle it and try to become our own non-for-profit public charity. So I was hired part-time to take the little program that was under hospice and make it our own 501c3 non-for-profit public charity, and that happened in September of 2011. So since then, I was then promoted to executive director. We have a staff of one. That's myself. We are volunteer-led. We cover the eight counties in western New York. And the need is incredible. We support 13 labor and delivery hospitals in our area, and all of them have in-house bereavement programs. And some are led by the nurse manager, some are led by a special bereavement coordinator. But we collaborate with those hospitals for to standardize care across the board. We want to make sure our parents that are suffering perinatal loss in their families get quality care and we can get into the different things that we provide the hospitals with and educate them on. Wow, it sounds like you are doing fantastic work in western New York. 
Thank you. It's much needed work. And I always say it's teamwork. I couldn't do it by myself. It really, really takes a dedicated team. And we do. We have a very dedicated board of directors. We have dedicated bereaved parents that are volunteers. And we all work together as a team. Wonderful. Now, so far in your conversation, you've talked quite a bit about the loss of a child. Can you share what shadow grief is and how losing a child is different from any other type of loss? Yes. Perinatal loss is, like I had said before, it really is a silent loss. And we say it's a silent loss because others in our society may not feel comfortable about talking about the loss with the family. And then this, it kind of creates where then the parents are feeling more guilty. They feel alone and very lonely because it's very hard to talk about the death of a baby. When an adult dies, you have a piece of the past that is lost. But when a baby dies, a piece of the future is lost, and you're significantly changed forever. And the parents, their loss is of their hopes, dreams, future, joy, parenthood. Sometimes it's standing in the culture. Different cultures believe different things. So when we look at perinatal loss and the grief, that bereaved parents go through, we call that shadow grief. Because when a parent loses a child, they're going to carry their grief with them for the rest of their lives. Wow, that is a great explanation and overview. Now, when a parent or parents experiences a loss, what are some things that as providers we should share or things that are helpful for parents to hear? Well, when a parent loses a child, it's a really a lifelong grieving and healing journey. And the process is really individualized and ongoing experience of grief. We always say there's no right or wrong way to grieve. Grief is intense sorrow, great sadness experienced as a result of death. But it is also a normal reaction and it's a natural reaction to the death of a loved one. When a parent loses a child, there are helpful and not-so-helpful responses. And a lot of people will say not-so-helpful responses that then just create more sadness for the parents. But when I go out and I educate the community in the hospitals, because we all have to work as a team. When a family loses a child, you know, some of the things that to say are, I am so sorry for your loss. I always say I'm so sorry with you for your loss because I also am a bereaved mom. Sometimes there are just no words to say. So you can say, I'm at a loss of to know what to say, but I sense how difficult this must be for you. Sometimes you just might want to ask them if they want others near. Always answer questions honestly and know that some questions just don't have an answer. And the biggest question is, why did my baby die? Well, sometimes there are no answers. In New York State, about approximately 1,700 babies are born, stillborn every year. Across the nation, 30,000 babies are born, stillborn every year. 60% of these babies do not have, there is no reason why they were born, stillborn. So sometimes there just aren't any answers. 
parents want to feel validated that indeed they are parents, even though their baby is not here with them on earth. Some of the things that are not so helpful that parents hear very often, and we have to be, you know, very aware of what we're saying to bereaved parents. I understand how you feel. When I educate, I always say nobody understands how anyone feels, even though you might have experienced a similar situation. Everybody grieves and is so, everything is so individualized. Death was a blessing. That's another one of the not helpful responses. It was God's will. Something good will come of this. You're young, you can have more children. That's very hurtful for parents. In my case, I always use the example that I was young. I was only 29 when I lost Jacob, but I had to have a kidney transplant, which brings a whole nother medical issues to the forefront. I could not have any more biological children. I did go on to adopt a child, but that statement can be very hurtful for so many, so many people. And the last one is be strong, don't cry. It's okay to cry. Crying is good. It's part of the grieving process. It's a natural form of our body releases these toxins and and crying is okay. Thank you for sharing that information. Now, when families and parents lose an infant or lose a child, what are some of the needs they experience as they're coping with perinatal loss? Well, some of their needs, and I always say we have to meet parents where they are at. Um, There are a lot of different resources out there, but parents want to feel validated. They want people to listen to their story. Sometimes a parent sharing their story over and over again, that's, that's very, very healing for them. When a parent loses a child, there's a lot of characteristics of grieving and the grief that they go through. There's a lot of self-blame, anger, isolation, emptiness. Parents feel like a failure because it's a betrayal of one's own body letting them down. I felt like a huge failure when I lost Jacob. You know, you also feel responsible. You just don't understand why your baby died and what could you have done to prevent this? Well, most of the time, there is nothing you can do to prevent it. It just is something that happened. And parents also feel devalued. You know, their grief is minimized, as I as I talked about before, that society really doesn't know how to handle the death of a baby because it's the death of the future. When an adult dies, you have those memories to look back upon. You don't have that when a baby dies. So those are some of the things parents feel when they lose their baby. And so validating and listening to their story and providing them different resources and help, like what we provide at the network, is very helpful to families. Thank you. Now, speaking of the resources and services you provide at the network, can you talk a little bit about what kinds of support you do offer to bereaved families? Sure. Well, the mission of our network, and that's the Western New York Perinatal Bereavement Network, is to assist the community in meeting the needs of people facing perinatal death, so the death of a baby due to miscarriage, atopic pregnancy, stillbirth, and early infant death. 
We are a group of professionals and bereaved parents. We have been in existence for over 25 years as a program, but now we became, like I said earlier, non-for-profit 501c3 in September of 2011. And we are supported. We have different groups of volunteers and a board of directors. And what we do is we provide support programs and linkage and resources to families. So what we do is we collaborate with our 13 labor and delivery hospitals. When a parent loses a child, we have a parent authorization release form. And so the hospital presents them with our information in this authorization form. And then the form is then given to me. I then follow up with a sympathy packet to the family. And in the sympathy packet, it is information about our network. And there's a variety of different things that the parent can get. They can get a newsletter, which is free for a year. It comes out quarterly, and it's the Forget-Me-Not newsletter that is created. The editor is one of our board of directors and bereaved moms. Um, She does a really good job of putting this together. We also offer support for burial or cremation. When you lose a child, you're such in shock and disbelief. Now you have a very limited time not only to create a lifetime of memories in a very small window, so you have 12 to 24 hours, but now you have to think about the goodbye, how you want to say goodbye to your child. So we will support them with funeral arrangements, burial and cremation options, and financial grants. Sometimes families do not have the financial means and are going through a rough time, and that's where our Wings of Love Memorial Fund comes into play. The Wings of Love Memorial Fund, I started that, I founded that program, me and my husband, in 2007, September of 2007, and the mission of that memorial fund is to ease some of the unexpected financial burden placed on grieving families during the tragic loss of their infant. So we can financially grant up to $350. We work with many different cemeteries and funeral homes. We have the Waseneca seniors that make our butterfly urns for us, and they make them with just so much love. And so we offer butterfly urns to our families. So there's different things we offer to our families through the Wings of Love Memorial Fund, which is now a program of the network. Since September of 2007, we have granted over $30,000 to families to bury their baby. Such a great need. Wow, that is fantastic. It is. And and so many people, their donations, they donate to the Wings of Love. A portion of our fundraisers all go to Wings of Love because there is such a great need in our community. Sometimes I won't get a call for weeks. Two weeks ago, I had eight Wings of Love cases within a seven-day period. So it varies. 
And so we work with the families, we work with the cemeteries, we work with the funeral directors, and we want all babies buried with dignity. We want to help the families because we know that they're in a state of shock and they have to make decisions. And so we can help them with planning memorial services and things that they might not think of, we can help them along the way. So that's our Wings of Love Memorial Fund. That's fantastic. So you are doing such fantastic work in our community to really two core organizations. Yes. Well, the Wings of Love is a program of the network, but yes, it's two. I'd like to say they're together, but it's a little separate because you have to meet parents where they're at. So if I'm going to continue on what the network does. So we have the Wings of Love Memorial Fund, and then we also have um, our hospital support. Like I said, we have 13 labor and delivery hospitals that we support. We have volunteers that make handmade burial gowns. They make angel pockets. They crochet baby blankets. We have volunteers all over Western New York just donating these to our programs. What we do in turn is we then distribute them to all of our 13 labor and delivery hospitals. We have bereaved parents and organizations that make memory boxes. We supply our hospitals with 3D footprint supplies. We have disposable cameras. Bereaved mom created a moment in our arms forever in our hearts in memory of her son. So if there is not a camera available or mom and dad go into the hospital and they're anticipating the joy in the birth of a healthy baby and then tragedy happens and the baby's born stillborn or dies shortly after birth, sometimes people aren't prepared with these things. So we make sure our hospitals have all these supplies. We promote education in our hospitals, like I had said earlier, healing from the start. It really takes a team effort in the hospital to make a lifetime of memories in that very short window of time. Footprints, 3D, 3D footprints, pictures. We work with Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, and they can come into the hospital to take pictures of the families. They're also a non-for-profit organization we collaborate with. So there's a lot of things that go on, collaboration between all our community agencies and our hospitals to help parents who have to suffer this tragedy. And I think the word collaboration is really the point that stands out there, that this really is something that spans communities and really works to help families in need. So that's fantastic. It really Collaboration and teamwork is so important. Some of the other programs we offer is the Sibling Bereavement Program. When parents lose a child, a lot of the focus is on mom. We want to focus on the family as a unit. We want to focus on mom, dad, the children at home, the grandparents. When we look at grandparents, we look at grandparents grieving double grief. They're grieving for their grandchild, but they're also grieving for because they can't take the pain away for their child that's losing their child. So it's a double grief for grandparents. Um, And we offer them support programs also. The sibling bereavement program, 
we offer to the children at home because we know that they express grief according to their developmental stage and personality. So what we offer our families is we give them a in their sympathy packet, we send them an age makes a difference sheet. And it breaks down the ages, ages 2 to 6, 6 to 9, 10 to 12, and teenagers, and suggestions on how parents can support them at where they're at in their developmental process. So how are they going to understand death at age 2 versus what they need to know and how they're going to understand death at age 10. And it always gets tricky because... As adults, it's hard for us to make sense of why a baby died. And now we have to try to explain it to the children. So we want to offer that resource to parents. So we send them out a letter. We send them out an informational sheet, age makes a difference. We send them a a child, a happy pal. We just teamed up with a wonderful company that was set up by another bereaved mom. Everything happy. And their mission is one to love, one to give. So we have several donations of these little stuffed animal happy pals, and we send them to families, and I've seen it work. It really provides hope and comfort that this child can hold on to when this is a very sad and tragic time for the whole family. So that's our sibling bereavement program. Then I also explained our forget-me-not newsletter. That's quarterly. We have poems, stories, events. We share all of our resources in there, our support group information. We have a wonderful printing company that donates our printing for this. And our editor is also a bereaved mom. So we have that program. We offer another program to our parents. It's called our Parent Telephone Support Team, where we train parents who have a healthy place in their healing journey to support parents who have suffered the tragic loss of losing their baby. So we will pair parents up if I wanted a phone call or if someone had a stillbirth at 25 weeks, I would be paired up with this mom. Not that I know how she feels because you don't know how anyone else feels, but you can relate to the experience. Moms who have miscarriages, we will pair them up with another mom who has suffered a miscarriage. So that's our parent telephone support team. And a lot of friendships are made through that group, so it's really wonderful. It sounds absolutely wonderful. And again, what a wonderful program to have in the community. We do. We also offer parent-to-parent support groups. So it's a professional facilitator um, leading parents to support each other. And we have our network-based support group is called the Tiniest Angels. There's also hospital-based support groups, Footprints on the Heart, um, Hopeful Hearts, Heart to Heart. And these are all different support groups that parents can go through throughout the month for support. As a community and as collaboration, we have to meet parents where they're at. So maybe the third Wednesday doesn't work for a parent who really needs support for the tiniest angels, but footprints on the heart through Sisters Hospital, maybe a Tuesday will work for them. 
or carrying arms through Millard Fillmore Suburban Hospital. So we all collaborate, we all hold support groups in order to support our parents. We have different events we hold throughout the year, and all these events are, some of them are fundraising, some of them are just support events, but it's a chance to get together to just show that unity and create a lot of community awareness and remember and honor our children. An annual event that we hold each year is an evening to remember basket raffle. It's an adult evening out, and we hold it at a church hall, and every year approximately 200 baskets are made in memory of babies, and we raffle them off, and we have a DJ, and it's a really great night for parents to get out. Every year, we have a Parents' Day breakfast. It's our Wings of Love Parents' Day breakfast. This is going to be our fourth year. It's really to celebrate and validate that we are parents. Mother's Day is one of the hardest holidays for a bereaved mom, but also for a bereaved dad because he has to watch his wife suffer. And a lot of times, parents that don't have children on earth, they don't feel validated as a parent. And we host this breakfast to make sure that all of our parents know that indeed, because their children aren't on this earth, they still are their mother. They will always be their mother, and they always will be their father. And it's a beautiful family breakfast. We have a candle memorial service. In years past, we had a balloon release. Last year, we had a beautiful flower release into the Niagara River. We have a new event, which is our elegant evening to remember. And this is a big gala we have, and it's an award ceremony. What we want to do is we want to recognize everyone in our community, organizations, physicians, nurses, volunteers, that make a difference in the life of another experiencing this tragedy. And we just had our event last week. We awarded 11 individuals with awards. Our theme this year was the gift of time. And we really just want to honor these folks for their gift of time and making a difference in the life of another by helping them through perinatal loss. So that's our elegant evening to remember. Every October, it's Pregnancy Loss and Awareness Month. And we host our Walk to Remember, which last year was our 20th annual Over 900 people attend this event. It really started off 20 years ago. It's very, very small as 25, 50 people gathered to pay tribute to their child, to their baby. But it has grown so big. In Erie County, it's held at Chictawaga Town Park every Columbus Day weekend. It's held on a Sunday. And parents walk to create awareness and to memorialize and honor their baby that's gone too soon. We have a memorial service. We have music, a balloon release. We plant a Bradford pear tree. We have a one-mile memorial walk and a family picnic afterwards. 
we want to break the silence and we have joined forces with those around our nation and started a October 15th candle vigil. We had two sites last year that we held. One was at Acacia Park. The other was in Olean. It's called Gavin's Light. And around the world at 7 o'clock, there's a wave of light to memorialize and honor our children that have passed. So there's a lot of things we're doing to create community awareness during the month of October. That's fantastic. Now, so far, we've talked quite a bit about the Western New York Perinatal Bereavement Network that you're such an integral part of. Can you provide your website and, if you have, maybe other relevant resources as well in case listeners would like to obtain more information about perinatal loss and bereavement? Sure. They can check our website out at www.wnypbn. Org. So it's our initials. And on this website, we have so many wonderful resources. We have things that can be downloaded and printed, a whole bunch of support. I talked about how children grieve and to support children and grandparents. And we didn't even touch base with how men and women grieve differently. All of these resources are on there and informational, helpful brochures and sheets can be downloaded and printed. We have all of our support groups, our community support groups that we collaborate with. We have all of our events, the Wings of Love application. If you know of somebody that needs services and want to fill out an application to qualify for Wings of Love, We have a resource page. There's a lot of online help nowadays with Facebook and national organizations. You have the Miss Foundation and the National Share Office and PLIDA, Compassionate Friends. All of these websites and national organizations are here to help you. So we definitely can't do it alone. It's all collaboration, and sometimes parents don't feel comfortable coming to a support group, but they feel comfortable on a blog or just Googling information. So all of these resources are on our website. Great. Thank you for sharing. Now, so far in our conversation, we've covered quite a bit of information related to perinatal loss and perinatal bereavement. Is there any additional information that you would like to share or something that you feel listeners would benefit from? Well, one of the things, the last thing that I want to share is basically the, which we didn't touch base on, was the certificate of stillbirth. In New York State, the law for the certificate of stillbirth went into effect on March 21st, 2012. And I want everybody to know that if they know of somebody or if they personally have experienced a stillbirth, they are eligible to get the certificate of stillbirth for their baby. And we have the forms on our website. You can just go ahead and click that link, and you fill out a very small application that's sent to the Department of Health in New York State. So it's sent to Albany. And if you need any assistance with that, all of our contact information is on our website, but you can reach me personally at the office, 716 626 63 
1-800-273-5463 or email me directly at christine at wnypbn.org. We just want everyone to know that there is so many resources and support that you don't have to suffer in silence. And we really want to provide our families hope that in time that your heartache will be less painful and that you'll be able to incorporate the death of their baby into their life. What a powerful message. It is. It's really powerful. And that's why we're here. We're here to meet families where they're at, to provide hope, and to help them through this lifelong healing journey. Well, thank you, Christine, for participating in today's podcast. We greatly appreciate you taking the time to share your knowledge and expertise with not only me, but of course, all of the podcast listeners. Thank you so much for having me. We really appreciate it. You have been listening to Christine Scott's discussion on perinatal loss and bereavement. This is Charles Sims, your host, inviting you to please join us again for In Social Work. Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, professor and dean of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We look forward to your continued support of the series. For more information about who we are as a school, our history, our programs, and what we do, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu.